glad that you're here with us. Thank you, Pastor Shane, for leading us in worship. We're working on transitioning away from Pastor Shane as he starts transitioning to some exciting things he has coming. Good news is he'll be uh, preaching here in a couple of weeks while I go on vacation, and he's going to take that time to give you an update on the exciting things happening in his life and in his family and the future they have. And so, uh, but we're, uh, we're planning ahead and trying to work together all those things. We've got some exciting things coming this fall. Don't forget that the uh, uh, family nights kick off on September 22nd, a six-week session. Uh, we're going to have a meal and we're going to have a prayer time. We're going to have adult breakouts and then the teens or the children have their tree house. Real excited about that. And speaking of that, we've been making way for a new space for our student ministries. And I've got pictures. So yesterday, the uh, men started tearing out some walls in the basement. If you've ever been downstairs, there was that hallway, little rooms off to the side, and then they started clearing those. You can see that's the where the rooms used to be, and uh, taking up the carpet there. And uh, they did an excellent job yesterday. I was so excited to go down there and see uh, the space. It's an amazingly wonderful space down there. They did a great job. We have a team coming in uh, that'll grind that floor and stain that floor, get it ready uh, for the student ministries. But it's a home for our young people, for Pastor Ben to set up and to be able to leave set up instead of having to set up every week upstairs and use a, a shared space. We're excited about that. It, it still will be a shared space if other groups in our church need to use that space. Uh, we've got multiple areas. We've got this big uh, worship center, and then we've got a, a small lobby, and that's a little bigger than that. And so we've got multiple size rooms at Oakwood to do different size events, and we're just thrilled about it. We're excited about what's coming. And so we encourage you to be thinking about this fall as we get ready to kick off our student ministries down there. Our treehouse will, will meet down there on Wednesday nights with our kids, uh, and we're looking for people to sign up. Matter of fact, Margaret, I saw you were here today. Uh, Margaret will, will make sure she leaves at the last prayer and go get the signups. I left them in the office. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I messed up. And so we're going to put the treehouse signups today out on the lobby. And if you're interested in being a, a leader, a huddle leader or a huddle helper, that's for high schooler and middle schoolers, leaders uh, would be adults, uh, then you can sign up. Let us know you're interested in helping for that six weeks. You're only signing up for that six week chunk, not for the rest of your life. Okay. We're excited about that. I'm excited about uh, what, what they've done down there. And we'll jump into our series this morning, Win the Day. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Win the day. I'll show you the big idea before we pray this morning. The big idea is I can accomplish almost anything if I work at it long enough, hard enough, smart enough. And we're going to get into that and show you that that's a biblical concept. I know some of you are like, that sounds like uh, worldly psychology. Well, uh, where do you think worldly psychology gets their great ideas? Uh, you're going to learn today that God set us up as people and he knows how we operate. And so even God himself talks about how to get daily habits in your life. And so we're going to talk about how daily habits are those things that you work at long enough, hard enough, and smart enough, and it becomes life-changing things. And the concept there is eat the frog. Everybody say frog. Not kiss the frog. My wife, she was asking me what's coming. I told her, eat the frog. And all week she'd been like, there's a frog. We should kiss it. I'm like, we're not kissing a frog. We've got to eat the frog. Girls, I don't know how many times they tell you, you got to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your prince. Don't do that. 
don't kiss any frogs. They're all bad. So, uh, but we're going to talk about how to eat the frog today. Again, these concepts, you're like, what does this mean? By the end, you'll understand. Hope you know what it means to flip the script. Hopefully you know what it means to kiss the wave. And today we'll learn what it means to eat the frog. Let's pray. Pray with me. If you're willing to say this prayer, say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, I do pray that you'd be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a video that she'll be playing on the screen while I read a story. So you can either decide whether you're going to watch the video or listen to the story, but they all are about the same thing. Are you familiar with um, dominoes and how dominoes fall? I'm going to tell you a story about Bob Specka while you watch this. This is not, this was only 32,000 dominoes, not uh, the, the whole bunch of thousands that Bob did. Bob Specka was a sophomore at Maple Newton High School when he was first introduced to the math induction theory. His teacher, Mr. Dom. Browski likened the theory to the domino effect. After school, Bob Specka went out and bought two boxes of dominoes. He lined them up, 112 dominoes in a row, pushed one over, and you know exactly what happened. It had a domino effect. After graduating high school, Bob Specka appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson to show off his domino toppling skills. The Guinness Book of World Records created a category to recognize his accomplishments in 1976. Bob Specka set the world record in domino toppling with a chain reaction numbering 11,111 dominoes. Over the next decade, he would break his own record five times, topping out, tapping at 97,500 dominoes. Around the same time Bob Specka was setting world records, a physicist named Lauren Whitehead was doing experiments with the domino chain reaction. Whitehead discovered that a domino is capable of knocking over another domino that is one and a half times its size. A two-inch domino can topple a three-inch domino. A three-inch can topple a four-and-a-half-inch ad infinitum. By the time you get to the 18th domino, you could topple the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Of course, it's leaning, so it's not entirely fair. The 21st domino could take down the Washington Monument. The 23rd domino could knock over the Eiffel Tower. Let me double back to the math induction theory. Instead of a fancy formula, let me give you a real-world example. According to his theory, you can climb as high as you like on a ladder by starting at the bottom rung, then climbing the ladder one rung at a time. The theory is not new. It's been around for a long time. In Genesis 11, verse 6, God looked down and they were building a tower to heaven. And what did God say? God said, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. So even God knows in Scripture that if you and I work at something long enough, hard enough, smart enough, we can accomplish incredible things. The domino effect. And you can turn that off now. I know it's really, for those of us that like this kind of thing, you could watch that all day long. It's so fun to watch. And by the way, that was only 35,000. That Specka guy did 95,000. That's amazing. The domino effect. And that other mathematical thing about the bigger, 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 bigger dominoes. There are some dominoes in your life that need to fall. 
And there needs to be a chain reaction. And how do you get there? How do you get real change in your life? Well, it starts with the first flick. Starts with the first flick. A lot of times these things in your life, maybe that are bad habits that need to be changed, that, that, that take so much work we never get to, we never even start to, to attack those things because we think it's so overwhelming. But actually it just takes one start. Nothing happens until something starts. But we won't take that first step. And I'm going to talk to you about that today and show you in Scripture that God talked to us about these things too. How does this have to do with eating the frog? Well, Mark Twain is purported to have said, he's purported to said a lot of things, by the way, right? But supposedly he said, if you have to eat a frog, a live frog, it's best done first thing in the morning. Why? Because you can go through the rest of the day knowing that the hardest task is behind you. Eat the frog. Some of you have things in your life that you've just not tackled because it's like eating a frog. Who wants to eat a frog? Well, if you're going to have to eat a frog, get up and do it first thing because at least then you have the rest of the day. And if you have to eat two frogs, let me give you some advice. Start with the bigger one first. Some of you have things in life and you're just not seeing success. You're not seeing God have a breakthrough. And part of it's because we're not willing to do the natural before God will do the super. And, and in scripture, there's a lot of evidence toward how you, we are supposed to be doing work. I know you guys might be thinking this is, doesn't sound spiritual. We should just pray. Nowhere in the Bible does it say just pray. We pray, then we work. Psalm 90, verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work, everybody say work, of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work, everybody say work, of our hands. The psalmist knew we needed to say it twice. You know, life is hard and it takes hard work. And if you don't put hard work in, don't sit there and expect God to fix everything. God will step in. He will do the super, but you have to take the step to do the natural. You have to do some effort and some work. And if you're not doing anything, you will not see God's success. In Colossians, he says, whatever you do, work heartily. Everybody say work heartily. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ we have to put in the effort. And I'm not saying to diminish prayer. Prayer is essential. God tells us to be dependent on Him through prayer. We are dependent on Him. Like everything depends on it. But we also have to get up and do something. You also have to get up and work towards something. Are you having a hard time in a relationship that has just not been resolved and there's issues there? You can keep praying about it, but you also have to take a first step to resolve it. God will work with you and through you, but don't expect him to do it without you investing in it, making that first flick of that first domino and letting that happen. It's a stewardship issue. It's making the most of your time, talent, and treasure. It's my utmost for his highest. It's cultivating not only good habits, but God habits. Pick a habit. Pick a habit right now, any habit you think of in your life. Maybe it's doing your age in sit-ups. That one's been on the back burner for me for a while. I wish I'd thought of that when I was 12. It's a little harder now. But maybe you think of a habit like doing your age in sit-ups. Maybe it's 
Maybe it's keeping a, a gratitude journal with a quota for each day. Maybe it's a daily Bible plan. There's a lot of God habits, not just good habits, that you need to have in your life. How do you get those going? Well, you've got to flick the first domino. And you've got to win that day, do it again tomorrow, and then repeat over and over and over again. God takes habits and makes them who you are. And if we're not doing what we need to be doing, you're not going to see any change. How do I eat the frog? If it's difficult, how do I do that? Uh, If it's getting on the treadmill... Get on it in the morning first thing, and at least you've accomplished that. I don't know who it was in the military that uh, gave a speech at, a, at one of our military academies, but he got up and he said, my speech to you is get up every day and make your bed. Make your bed. Because at least then you started your day with one accomplishment. Get up, make your bed, start your day with an accomplishment and move on from there. How do I eat the frog? First, I make it measurable. Write that down. You got to make it measurable. If there's a habit you need to change or a habit you need to add to your life, please don't, don't do this. We're not talking about hopes. Hopes are things like, I want to get in shape. I want to lose weight. Those are not plans. Those, Those are, are hopes. hopes. Those are not habits. Wanting to lose weight, wanting to get in shape are hopes, not habits. You need to make it measurable. We need to start uh, making it measurable by counting calories or mapping miles. How many of you have that little mile thingy on your watch or on your phone and you see how many steps you take? Come on, admit it. Who does that? My wife does that. We just had a talk the other day about getting Apple watches. And she said, I don't like those. I wore one once and it didn't have the same numbers of my steps as my phone did. She said, my watch had way more steps than the phone. I'm like, well, then I want the watch. She said, I think every time I moved, it counted as a step. I'm like, man, I'd sit in my rocking chair and just do this all day long if that's what it takes. Man, uh, but so we count our steps. We watch our calories. We watch, that's creating habits. I think too many people live life and just have hopes. I just want to lose weight. I just want to get in shape. But we don't ever get there. So it's got to be measurable. Only when it's measurable can it be manageable manageable. Do you want good habits in your life? God habits? Do you want to start a Bible reading process? You can pray about it if you want to read the Bible every day. You can pray about it all you want, but God's not going to do anything until you actually make it measurable. You come up with a plan. You set your phone so that it goes off earlier and you get up and you do it. If it's measurable, it becomes manageable. And timelines and deadlines are life lines. How many times have we said that? Someday I want to. How many of you ever said that? Someday I want to. I don't know about you, but I want to write a book. I've said that forever. I've always said I wanted to write a book. And I have a good friend who's an author of about 12 books. And we've talked and he said, Don, you would be a great author. You need to write books. I'm like, I just don't know how. And he said, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a secret. Write I'm like, what? He goes, you just need to start writing. You need to start writing. You're never going to write a book until you write. 
I had a book that I should have written years ago. I was traveling and speaking out of the, uh, the book of, of first and second and third John. I had a whole series on it. People were calling me from other states to come and preach this message series in the book of John. I developed this whole thing about the Guba, the Guba, uh, grown up, born again. And, and I ran with that. And, and, and I had a friend of mine who said, this is a book. Your series is a book. If you'll let me just, Dictate, you just dictate, I'll write it for you. He was a history teacher at a school. Guess what? I never did it. Guess what? I've never written a book. Years later, Francis Chan came out with his book called First Crazy Love. Anybody ever heard of Francis Chan Crazy Love? It's my book. It's my book. I think Francis Chan watched my, my, my series online and he wrote my stinking book and it went huge. It was a bestseller. It still is one of the bestsellers. Crazy love. I'm not saying he stole it from me, but I should have written it. I had it here. I didn't do anything. Do you know what? If you want to write a book, if you would write two pages a day, if you would win the day by writing two pages in a hundred days from now, you'd have a, a book. But we don't do it. I don't do it. I still haven't done it. I don't have a book. Why? It's because we don't flick that first domino. We don't make goals that are measurable. And hang in there. I'm going to show you in Scripture where God talks about this. I must make it meaningful. You've got to have a meaningful, something in mind, a habit that you want to add or some habit that you need to get rid of. And it needs to be meaningful to you. It's about leaving a legacy. Uh, I'm not picking on anybody today, but if you smoke, and I'm not one of these preachers who say that if you smoke cigarettes, you're going to hell. You're not going to hell. You, you just might be going to heaven early. You're going to die. Don't smoke. We know smoking's bad. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's just a bad habit. If you want to stop smoking, you need to, you need to know your why. And, and you know what? Maybe you need to do this thing that you want to do, whether it's writing a book, getting on the treadmill, reading God's word every day. You need to do it, but you got to have a why. Leave a legacy. Do it for your family. If you're struggling with your weight, change that for your family so you have a history. Do it for the third and fourth generation. Maybe you need to break a chain that's been in your family for decades. Leave a legacy. It's about being a blessing. You gotta, it's got to be meaningful. you got to know why you're doing it. Find your why. Find your why and go after that. Last thing, it needs to be maintainable. Some of you will hear this message or will read Mark's book and you'll get excited and you're going to run or run out and change 17 things in your life. Guess what? You're going to fail 17 times in the first day. Uh, you, you can't maintain that kind of change. You need to pick one thing and go after that. Flick that first domino and do it day after day. Win each day and you'll start to form new habits and you'll start to see real change. It's got to be maintainable. Dream big, but start small. When it comes to changing bad habits or developing new habits, dream big. We're, we're a church that dreams big. I'm excited about that. I'm still excited about our service park. That's not dead. We've got big dreams. We've got God-sized dreams that we're asking him to do. And right now, we're tearing apart that basement. We're, we're constantly moving, trying to do the best we can to make a best impact. We dream big, but you got to start small. Start small. Make sure it's maintainable. Consistency beats intensity seven days a week and Sunday. You got to be consistent. 
You can't say, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to go out tomorrow and run a marathon. How many of you think that I can run a marathon tomorrow if I woke up and I tried really hard? Who thinks that I could do that? Thank you. You think I can? Not tomorrow, though. You think, Mike, you know I can't. Can I tell you what would happen if I got up and ran a marathon tomorrow? Emergency hospital, come see me, okay? I'm not going to be able to run. What is it? 32 point, what is it? 36.26.2. On my computer, I have a little sticker that says 0.0. I hate running. That's what I I love that. But 26.2, that's a lot of miles. I guarantee you that if I went out today and I tried to run 26.2 miles, I would die. That's not maintainable. It's not manageable. It's not realistic. It's the difference between training versus trying. I could try as hard as I want to. Probably not going to run 26.2 miles. How many of you think that if I wanted to, and if I tried a year from now, I could run a marathon? Really? Man, some of y'all have more faith in me. Did my family raise their hand? Look at my family. Yeah, if you want to know how to answer, look at my, my kid and my wife are over there going, uh-uh. Some of y'all say I could do it next tomorrow. They're like, in a year? But what if I worked at it hard enough, long enough, smart enough? How many of you think that I could run a marathon someday? We can do almost anything. But what has to happen? I need to pray about it. No. I can pray about it, ask God's help for it. I could ask God to help me with my laziness. I could ask God to help me with my whatever it is, but, but I need to get up and probably I need to walk. Don't I? Maybe tomorrow I need to get up and walk. And then eventually I need to be able to walk a 5K. I like the sound of a 5K better than a marathon. Maybe I work my way up to be able to run that 5K. And maybe after a year... Or two years, maybe then I could do a half marathon. You hear what I'm saying, right? We have thoughts about what life could be for us or what it can't should be, but we don't change what we're doing. And if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect change. Do you know what they call that? I think you do. Win the day, do it again, repeat. What we're talking about is making it measurable, making it meaningful, making it main. So let's get to what Scripture says. What we're talking about is habit formation. And the Bible is full of discussion about habit formation. Two key principles I'm going to give you. Key principle number one today is habit switching. Habit switching. Uh, If you're going to run a marathon or if you're going to write a book, there needs to be some habit switching going on in your life. You want to stop smoking or if you want to uh, do something other than something that a bad habit is that you're involved in, let's let's just make it, because we always pick on those people who smoke. God bless the smokers. What about people that complain a lot? You know what? Complaining, having a complaining negative spirit is such a bad habit. It's as dirty and disgusting as smoking is. All the Christians that sit in church and despise people who smoke cigarettes. You know what? There's some really cool people that smoke cigarettes and they got good hearts. I'd rather have a cool Christian with a good heart smoking cigarettes than a a fancy dancy Christian with a negative spirit and a corrupt heart. I'm telling you right now, some some of these habits need to go. And they're just as vile and ugly to God as a habit like smoking. A complaining spirit is is wicked, it's divisive, it's corruptive, it's destructive. It's got to go. How do we do that? We switch the habit. What am I talking about? We need to go to Matthew 12, 43 through 45. This is important that you get this this morning. 
Matthew 12, 43 through 45 says, when an impure spirit, spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unaccompanied, swept clean and put in order. It goes in and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of the person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Friends, I'm telling you, you got to be smarter. We talked about working harder and longer. Well, you got to work smarter. And you got to be careful with habits and habit formation. Because I did not tell you to go home and stop smoking or just go home and stop complaining. That's, that's like me saying, don't think of a purple elephant. What did you just do? You thought of a purple elephant. It's nonsense. You don't just stop smoking. You don't just, you don't just stop a habit. The Bible even says if you get freed from something like that, an evil spirit that leaves you will, will find that there's nowhere to go. He'll come back and he'll find a wonderful, clean, new place. And he's going to bring seven buddies with him. And the, the final outcome is going to be worse. Something has to fill the void. Say, fill the void. You don't just get rid of something that's negative in your life. You've got to switch it with the positive. And that's what God has a lot to say about in Scripture. We need to listen to what he said about this. And you need to be smart about what you do. And then just say no, just don't work. I was part of that whole generation where we said just say no to drugs. Remember frying pan, egg, old people, are you with me? Young people had no clue. Remember the egg and the frying pan? This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Wonderful. Just wonderful. Did it stop anything? No. No. Just say no. Just don't work. Why? Because you can empty a place, but if you don't fill it with the positive, more evil's going to come. I think I've told you this before, but I traveled for decades talking about sexual purity with Christian teens and, and, and getting them to sign purity pledges. Say no. Just say no. For decades I did that. You know what we found out in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s? Christian teens were more likely, more likely to engage in premarital sex if they had signed a purity pledge. All that work and effort, and all we were doing is telling them, just say no, just say no, just say no. And guess what? Just say no, just don't work. We need to talk about purity, and we need to, we need to get them to add some godly habits in their life to fill the void so they don't just end up worse off than they were beforehand. Same thing with you. Smoking, complaining, a bitter spirit. Those things need to go but they've got to be replaced. So we're talking about habit switching. Develop daily disciplines necessary to back up divine deliverance. Has any of you ever been divinely delivered from anything? I have. I used to smoke. So you smokers who are here, I'm with you. I used to smoke cigarettes. I was stupid as a teen. Uh, Just say no, 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 no. You can't do that. You're a Christian kid. Do not smoke. So I smoked two packs a day. It was awful. Uh, We we would go fishing and that's what we'd do. We'd sneak away and we'd smoke. And because we had to smoke a lot, we'd smoke really quick. So two packs in about a half hour. (laughs) Rebelling. I was just putting down nicotine like crazy. And then that becomes a bad habit. 
It becomes a physical need. And some of you, I've shared this before. I've given up a lot of bad habits in my life and replaced them with some God habits. That's why I say, after all of these bad habits I've given up, I'm keeping caffeine. God owes me one. So don't mess with my coffee, people. But I've given up smoking. I'm telling you right now, hardest thing ever to do is giving up cigarette smoking. Hardest thing. It kicked my hind end. To this day, I haven't smoked a cigarette in over 30 some years. To this day, if I walk out of a building and somebody is smoking a cigarette and I smell the smoke, I immediately think, oh, I want that. I need that. Isn't that amazing? You'd think, you're a pastor. You haven't smoked for 30 years? Yeah, yeah. Habits die hard. So we've got to replace them, switch them. Bad habits need to be switched with good habits, God habits, in order for it to be uh, made right. If you complain a lot, don't just stop complaining. Flip the script. Switch the habit. I've been talking about keeping a gratitude journal. If you're a complainer and a negative uh, whatever, uh, you need to start keeping a gratitude journal. And you need to write a quota. Maybe your quote ought to be, everything I complain about, I need to write a positive about. So I switch the habit. I'm always thinking positive when I think of a negative. Switch the habit. Habit stacking is principle number two. We had habit switching. Now we're talking about habit stacking. Habit stacking is coupling our habits with daily rhythms and daily rituals. This is what God talks about in Scripture. That's why I keep telling you, hang in there. You're going to see God in print today on the screen that God said this first. Tony Robbins doesn't own popular psychology and pep talks. God told us how to live life and have right habits. We're going to talk about those in a second. You need to start right now in your head and think every day I... Every day, how do you start the day? Because we're people of habits. We're creatures of habits. I can tell you I thought about it, and I, I watched myself now for the last couple of days. Every day, I wake up, and guess what I do? Anybody? No, I don't go to Tim Hortons. I, I make my first cup in my house. If I were to go to Tim Hortons, there'd probably people die on the way because I hadn't had coffee yet. So I make my coffee. That's the first thing I do. I get up and I make my coffee. Once my coffee is going, I never wait for the whole thing to brew. I only wait long enough for my my cup and then I pour my cup. I get my cup and I go sit in the same chair in the same spot every morning. As soon as I sit in that same spot every morning, my dog Jax comes up and he jumps on me and he hugs me and we kiss and it's a great start of the day. He does. He hugs me. He loves me. And he knows it's our routine. Sometimes if I get my coffee and I go put my coffee down, I forgot my phone. He's, he's standing there like, wait, 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 wait. He's got habits like I've got habits. I sit in that chair with my coffee and my phone, Jack's hugs, gives me a kiss. I say, okay, and then he gets down. And then I get my phone out and I play Waduko. How many of you play Waduko? Yes, I love Waduko. I'll play Waduko for 15, 20, sometimes a half hour on my phone. That's how I start every day. We're creatures of habits. I want you to stop for a second and think in your mind, how do I start every day? What's my habit? What's my ritual? God steps into our lives and tells us 
how we ought to live our lives. By the way, just to show you this uh, about habits, uh, my dog is very smart. Jax, who I'm talking about, is very smart. We started a bad habit on accident with Jax. We would eat dinner, and after dinner, my wife and I would be like, hey, hey, let's take a drive. We like to take a drive out in the country. And we take Jax with us. We put him in her car because I don't like the fur in my car. So we put Jax in her car, and we drive out in the country. And we would do that for a couple of times. And then third or fourth day, we finish eating dinner, and Jax comes over, and he starts whining. We're like, what do you want? He's whining, and he heads to the door. And we realize, oh, I know. He wants an R-I-D-E. We spell it because I think he knows English. Sure enough, we would open the garage door and that dog would run immediately out into the garage and to the car and stop at the door and sit. Now listen, if we let Jax out of the house without a leash, he runs next door because there's a really cute lab girl that he likes to see. If he can break away, he will run away. But at eight o'clock at night, after dinner, he goes outside, we don't have to have him. We don't have to be holding him. He'll stop at the car door. I'll show you. I did it last night just to say it actually, oh, where's it at in here? Is it after that? Is it after, can we skip and then come back? Thank you. So this is last night. All right, want to go? Nobody's Where holding his go? leash. Want to go for a ride? He's waiting. He's like, what are you doing? It's there. It's there. It's the door. Let's go. Habits. Dogs have them. People have them. Your life is built on them. Habit switching happens when we do habit stacking. Habit stacking is when we take the normal rhythms of the day and we make good habits out of them, or should I say God habits out of them. How do I know this is true? Because let me tell you what the Shema is. The Shema to the Jewish people was something they quoted every day. They lived by it. The Shema is found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. But in 6, 4 through 6, here is what every day a Jewish person will say out loud. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in my heart. What is God saying? You need God habits. You need good habits. What is God requiring of you today? He's requiring that each of us love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Love him with everything we've got. And we've got to keep what he's commanding us in our heart. What does God want? A daily walk with him. So that's the Shema. Everybody say Shema. I looked it up. It's how you pronounce it. Trust me. I looked it up on Google. Google doesn't lie. The Shema. Hero is where the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Keep these commandments. How? Somebody say how. How? Oh, this is where, this is like early in the Old Testament, you guys. You know what God does? He starts teaching habit formation. Let me read the next verses for you. How to do it. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That's God speaking. What is God saying? You need God habits, daily habits, and you need little tricks to make you remember them. 
You need to write them on the back of your palm. You need to stick a sticky note on your forehead. You need to put it on your doorposts. Why? Because you go in and out every day. Do you know what Jewish people do every day? They walk past the mezuzah. This is on the door of my office here at the church. Every day I walk in and out of my office, this is there. A Jewish person would actually touch this on their way in and out of every door of their home. A mezuzah. It's coming from this verse. It's a little trick to get them in the habit of remembering the Lord our God is one. I should love the Lord to God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. It's on their doors. Now the Jewish people took it too far and they made flactories, little leather things with boxes and they literally put them around their foreheads and they carried around this box with little pieces of Scripture in them. I don't think that's what God was meant. That's a little bit too literal. I think what He's saying is you need to do things. Maybe put a post-it note on your mirror. Maybe it's not your forehead, but every time you go look in the mirror, it's on your forehead because it's in the way on the mirror. Something that's a God habit. Every day. How many of you drive cars? How many of you get stuck at stoplights? You know what? You can have three by five cards in your, in your visor with Scripture on it. You want to learn Scripture? Do you want to be in God's Word every day? Then you're sitting at a stoplight and they're going to honk at you anyway because you're usually on your phone not paying attention. Trust me, I'm out there. You're not paying attention. So instead of being on your phone during the stoplight, start reading some Scripture. They'll honk at you and tell you when it turns green. You're saying, well, that's just a worldly thing. I'm just following God's example. And God said you need some tricks to make things habits. Some of you need to, maybe if you're like me, you need to have something on your coffee pot in the morning to remind you, right? Some of you need to discipline yourselves. Uh, Like maybe before I play Waduko on my phone, I read the Scripture my scripture for the day before I'm allowed to play my Boduco. Some of you don't drink enough water. Most Americans are dehydrated every day. I've got a friend, you know what he does? He puts a bottle of water on his toilet at the night before he goes to bed. You know what? When he wakes up and he has to go to the bathroom to do number one, he won't do it until he drinks the whole bottle. That's discipline. That's discipline. It's creating a habit to drink enough water to start the day with water. Why am I telling you all this? Well, I'm trying to tell you all this because we're stuck with bad habits and we're stuck sometimes with no good habits and we've got to flip the script. We've got to learn to take God's advice and to change what we're doing. And I know that's going to be hard. Maybe some of you need a mezuzah. You can buy these anywhere and stick them on your door. I don't know what it's going to take for you, but getting God's word daily. That's the Jack's thing. We'll skip that. Show me your habits, I'll show you your future. If you're not working towards something, I know who you're going to be. Over time, you will become the sum total of your habits. And again, don't try to change 17 things or you'll fail. Uh, Maybe somebody in this room needs to just start listening to Bible on audio while you're taking a walk. There's two good things, one stone. (laughs) Or maybe you want to ride a bike. we got some people in our church that like to ride pedal bikes. Mine has an engine on it. I prefer that. But there's people that do things, right, Tim? Yeah, maybe, maybe listening to Scripture on audio while you do that. Now you've got two good habits. We're habit stacking. Over time, you become the sum total of your habits. So eat the frog. It's going to be hard. Can you do it for a day? Again, make it measurable. Make it meaningful. Uh, make it, what was the other one? maintainable yeah exactly 
Can you do it for a day? Can you do it for a day? Get up, eat the frog, win the day. Flick over that first domino. The potential energy is 2 billion times greater by the time it reaches the 13th domino. Isn't that amazing? You flick over the dominoes. By the time it flicks over the 13th domino, the, the energy created is, thir- is 2 billion times greater. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. We overestimate what we can accomplish in a single day, but we underestimate what God can do in 10 days, one year, or 10 years. So don't, don't think you're going to change your whole world by doing something tomorrow, but win the day tomorrow and then let God change you over time. Win the day. Repeat. Give it enough time, and with God's help, you can transform your body, mind, marriage, finances, and attitude. All these things happen, and you've got to start by eating the frog. Is your marriage a mess? Eat the frog. Set up marriage counseling. Eat the frog. It's never going to be better until you take that first step, until you flick that first domino. You, you struggle with a bad habit like smoking or excessive drinking, You can change that bad habit by flicking the first domino, but make sure you're replacing it with God habits to fill that void. Don't let yourself end up in a worse place than where you started. Win the day. I'm going to ask the team to come up and they're going to sing us through a song to close while you think about it. I want you to consider deeply, what is it? What is it in my life that would make a big difference? What is it? Do I need to lose weight? Do I need to stop a bad habit? Are there simply some really good habits that need to develop in my life? Well, then start thinking about making a plan. Then work your plan. Do it for a day. Win the day. Then get up and do it again. It's called sanctification. Let God make the change within you. We need success. Uh, I know that this sermon series has really been touching some people. I was at the hospital on Friday night talking to somebody, and they were in tears saying that God is speaking to them. I pray that God is speaking to you. I pray that he's pointing out things that need to go, that need to be replaced. And I hope you know that today that you have everything you need to do it. It sounds worldly, but if you work at anything long enough, hard enough, and smart enough, you can see change. Flick that domino, eat that frog, flip that script. Let me pray for you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you'd give us victory. God, there's so much defeat and Father, there's been so much trying that there's, there's discouragement. But God, I pray for people to have victory. And God, I do uh, pray that we'd come to you and ask you to honor this and to be able to help us through these things. But God, help us to do what needs to be done, take the steps that need to be taken. God, whether it's in our marriages, in relationships, in our jobs, in our habits, God, whatever it is, I pray that you would be pointing out specific things for people here at Oakwood, that they would win the day, that they would see real change. God, help us to have the uh, consistency, not not just the desire, but the consistency to make it a habit, not a hope. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.